pray for me as I go to try to reconnect with the people there to share, uh, to share with them and encourage them and be a blessing to them and the families that have lost a lot of people. I, I know a number of families that have lost people during the COVID thing. So, I'll try not to take, gosh, are we eating, are we eating downstairs today? Oh, that's good. I got you. You won't get hungry till noon, will you? All right, today we're going to be looking at the scripture, Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 10. If you have your Bible, I'm going to read that, Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 10. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and in the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. I'm going to be interjecting other scriptures along the way. And there's another scripture as soon as I read this, I thought, oh, there's another scripture that I remember where God said something like this further back. And I, I went to Deuteronomy 34, or not Deuteronomy, I went to Exodus 34. And it was what God said to Moses when Moses wanted to, to see God. He wanted to, God to, he wanted to be able to see God. He was getting ready to take all these people uh, into the wilderness, and he just... You know, God had found him, and he just kind of like wanted to find who God was. He wanted to know who God was. So he asked God if he could reveal himself to him. And this is what God did in Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7. I'll read it too. And it said, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. Notice he's calling upon the name of the Lord. He's calling on the name of the Lord, the Adonai, the name of the Lord. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word Lord, the Hebrew, if you bring that, blow that word up into what the Hebrew mind is, it means redeemer. It means the Lord, he's a redeemer. When someone's your Lord, he's your redeemer. He redeems you, redeems your life. And that's what God had done for Israel. He redeemed them, brought them out of slavery. So whenever God said, I am the Lord, the Lord your God, the Redeemer. I'm your Redeemer, and I'm Almighty God. So I have the ability to redeem. Okay, then the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. I always had a struggle with this because the way it sounds to me, and I'm not saying this is the way it sounds to you, I'm just saying it the way it sounded to me. God's loving, God's compassionate, he abounds in loving kindness and truth. 
But he visits these people after they, after they don't like him, and he pounds the daylights out of them. He, he, he carries out vengeance and wrath upon them. That, that's the way I read it in my mind. And I could, not, I could not take that and balance that with the rest of things I'd studied in Scripture about God and what he does. My Bible says he visits the iniquity of fathers on the children and various generations. He visits the iniquity. I, uh, I went to some scriptures on visitation from God, how God visits the earth. Did you know Jesus was a visitation? Did you know that? Jesus visited the earth. That was a visitation. There's other places in the Bible where God's kind of showed up and visited to see what was going on, to, to, to do something. Well, anyway, I think it's interesting how God approached Moses. He started out with saying, I'm the Redeemer. I'm the Redeemer God, Almighty God. That's the word God there, the, the El Shaddai. I'm the Redeemer God, and he's saying that he's compassionate and gracious. These are the first two characteristics God wanted Moses to know about himself. And then the second one is, after that, it was slow to anger. I'm slow to anger. And I abound in loving kindness. That word loving kindness is the Old Testament word for grace. Well, it's the Old Testament word for grace. And did anybody know anybody who was full of grace and truth? Now, Jesus, the disciples said he was full of grace and truth. They experienced that. And God was saying this to Moses. He said, I'm full of grace and truth. I keep loving kindness for thousands. In the Jewish Bible, it doesn't say that. It says it a little bit different. It says he keeps loving kindness for a thousandth of a generation. A thousandth. What is a thousandth generation? Well, we got 10 generations. We got 30 generations. We got a thousand generations. Have we had a thousand generations? If a generation is 42 years, that would be something like 42,000 years. He keeps loving kindness for some groups of people for 42,000 years. I don't even know if the earth has been in existence for 42,000 years. It's like nothing escapes his notice of someone who is obeying him and following him and loving him. He finds them to bless them. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yeah, God, what's that? He's running after me. He's running after me to bless me. That's a little hard to take in. The heart of this Redeemer is to be compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in grace and truth, keeping loving kindness for the thousandth of a generation. He forgives iniquity. He forgives transgression, and he forgives sin. I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and give you the differences in all those three, 
But there must be some kind of a difference because it says he doesn't visit transgressions, he doesn't visit sin, but he visits iniquity. Did you notice that? I mean, I know you're all looking at me, but that's what he visits iniquity. He forgives the other stuff, but iniquity is something he has to visit. He has to go and find it. He has to go and root it out. Last week in Nathaniel's prayer, it touched my heart. And at the end, he said, God, please come. I, I got it written down here. It was so, I wrote it down. I think I have it here on one of these scraps of paper. Yeah, Nathaniel's prayer, asking God to straighten the things that are crooked and untangle the things that are twisted in our lives. Straighten the things that are crooked and untangle the things that are twisted. You know the definition of iniquity? In the Hebrew, the definition of iniquity is twisted. It's twisted. It's a life that's been twisted by sin. It's a life that's been mangled and twisted by sin. God goes to visit tangled and twisted lives of the children of men in order to untangle and untwist their lives for good. Now that sounds more like the God that we've experienced in the New Testament. Jesus was, I think it's in, I better read it. In Luke's Gospel, Luke 19, yeah, it's when Jesus, he approached the city and it says, and he wept over it. And this is what he said as he wept over the city. If you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace. Remember peace? But now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize your day of visitation. God visits those generations. You know, we've all talked about revival, right? Oh, they had revival in uh, Wales. They had revival in uh, California, Azusa Street. They had revival in Brownsville. We have revival. We have revival here and there. We're not talking about a, a planned man thing. We're talking about God visiting. We're talking about God visiting us. Showing up. Now, we're not talking about the physical presence of God because God visits us now by, the, by His Holy Spirit. You say, well, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have cooperation everywhere He goes. So there has to be something that stirs up cooperation where there's a cry in our heart. Like God said to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people and I have come down to deliver them. There's a visitation. 
I know this doesn't sound like a message on raising children. But in a sense, I believe our Father in heaven tells us how he has to raise children. Children who've went astray. Children who've become twisted and tangled up in the things of the world. You see, iniquity gets handed down from one generation to the next. It goes from one place to the other. And it's something that fathers hand down to their children, and those children hand them down to their children. And it's a, a twistedness, a twisted view about God, a twisted view about life, a twisted view about the things that are right and the things that are wrong. And God wants to visit those people to untwist those things, to change those things in their lives so they can come back to what he considers to be life for us. It's a distortion of God and his ways. It's a distortion of, that's handed down from one generation to the next. And God visits them. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Guilt is something that's, that's natural. Would you say it's natural? I mean, look at Adam and Eve. As soon as they did something they wasn't supposed to do, they were in shame and guilt. They were afraid. They hid themselves. It's a, it's a natural consequence of people that twisted God's truth and did not obey. And I went to the Jewish Bible on this uh, chapter 34 to see what how they read that and here's what it said I thought this was good it says in this part where it says about visiting uh, the guilty my Bible they put the word guilty and by no means leave the unpunished the people who are being punished the iniquity you see sin has its own punishment built into it do you, do you believe that it's not like I sin and then God has to show up and punish me Sin has its own punishment built right into it. As soon as we do something that's wrong, it, it, it affects us. It affects our heart. It affects our spirit. It affects our minds. It affects all of us. And the more times you do it, it becomes a natural part of life. That's what sin. Sin's an awful thing. You're not going to go to CNN or, or any of those news stations and they, they come on there and say, Hey, folks, we had a real rash of sin tonight in New York. No, they don't talk about sin. It's the elephant in the room nobody talks about. Except maybe the church. But God sees this twistedness and he wants to visit it because he wants to change things. Here's what the Jewish Bible says. See if I can find it here. It says in the Jewish Bible, Yet not exonerating the guilty but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by their children and grandchildren and even by the third and fourth generations. Now, my Bible said visiting them. They had a hard time figuring out what God's actually doing here. Well, I think, according to the whole of Scripture, God is visiting them because they're living in guilt and He's trying to bring them to a place where they repent and come back to him, and un, he wants to untwist that mess in their life so they can begin to walk with him and walk with Jesus, the Savior. 
That'd be a good place to throw in an amen right there. He visits us. God visits our twisted life. You know, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I, you know, God doesn't just zap away our guilt, but he comes in and, and because of, uh, he visits the guilty in such a way to redeem them. I remember a fellow told me, an old man told me a long time ago, everything God does is redemptive. Everything he does is redemptive. If you look at it, Isaiah, Isaiah 28, 21 says, God was getting ready to carry out something on Israel. He says, he's getting ready to do his strange work, his alien work. You know the work he was talking about? Judgment. Why would Isaiah call judgment God's alien work? His strange work. It's because God doesn't judge very often. He doesn't judge very often. He don't have to. Now, there's going to be a judgment in the end. Don't say Jeff said there's not going to be a judgment. No, there's going to be a judgment. He does judge. But Isaiah said it's his strange work. It's his alien work. He doesn't, he doesn't do this very often. But he does visit the guilty, and he does try to bring them to an understanding of why they're guilty, to get them repent of their guilt so they can come back to God. I love Psalm 36. It says, in your light, we see light. That's what the psalmist said. In God's light, we see light. In other words, when he comes, he opens our eyes to things that our daddies taught us and our mommies taught us and our grandfathers taught us, and he corrects it. He corrects it. The stuff we thought was so right and so good because mom and dad taught us this. He corrects it. He goes into cultures of people and corrects their culture. So I said, well, that's what we're supposed to do. No, we don't have to correct culture. God corrects culture. A lot of stuff he don't even have, we don't even have to mess with. Let God correct it. He visits our twisted lives in order to redeem us from the futility of our fathers. There was visitations in the book of Judges and all the judges of the of that time, that era, there was visitations of God in the Babylonian captivity. The cry of the prophets over asking God to visit them. You know, I'm a bit thirsty right now. And when a man gets thirsty, what's he do? He goes for water. What's a man do when he realizes he's guilty? Terribly guilty. Where do you go? Well, you may go to a psychiatrist who tell you you're not guilty, you're just, you're okay. And where do you go when you're guilty of moral problems? I'd say a lot of us would just start crying out to God for him and his help. Listen, I'm getting older and I realize I'm guilty. I need God. I need God to sort me out. That's where I've been for the last year, just asking God to sort me out. Help me, God. Time's short. Sort me out, Lord. I just feel it. You say, oh, feel it. Yeah, I do. I feel it. I want to be sorted out by God. I want God to visit me. I want God to show me things. Somebody can talk to me and say, oh, this is what it is. But, you know, you were built for God. 
You were built for God. You weren't built for the guy next to you or the gal next to you. You weren't built for your wife. You're built for God to come in. The Bible says when God called Abraham, he called Abraham. You know what the next word is? That scripture always runs through me. Alone. When God called Abraham, he called Abraham alone. It wasn't a group meeting. It was just him and Abraham. And I believe that's what he does for every one of us. And when he visits us in our generation, he's wanting to free us from something. He's wanting to change some things. He wants us to be able to rise up and speak about those things to our children so they can see light and turn. I'm sorry. I thought Nathaniel and and Sean preached the hardest messages. But maybe this is. You see, there's a cure, cure for this iniquity in each generation to seek the Lord, to stand in God's light, to ask for his grace and, and, and truth to help us to untwist our lives, to forgive us, to heal us, so that the next generation can start afresh. We can have a better chance on the next generation. I look at my children. I say, did... Did iniquity get broken in some of these areas? And I see that I failed. I didn't break that. And God will have to visit them. God will have to visit our children. God will have to visit their children's children. Are you with me today? You think I'm preaching something off the wall? I don't think it is. I never did really understand this scripture until I was made to, to look at it and have to talk about it. That's a good thing. I think I quoted that first part, but the visiting part, I thought, well, I don't want to touch that. His visitation in Christ was to break the curse of sin off of mankind. His, his constant visitation in each generation is to bring us back to him. So what do we do? We, we can't just sit here and say, well, God, anytime you want to visit, I'm ready. No, I think our prayer should be for God to visit us. Visit us, Lord. Visit us in our generation. Visit us in my children's generation. Visit my children and visit their children. Continue to come, Lord, and visit us. Help us. Open our eyes to see the things you want us to see so that we can repent, so we can turn from our ways and turn toward you. This is good for your kids and their kids. I want to be part of those thousandth generations. Now, he doesn't say he doesn't, you know, you can't get blessed until that happens. He's really saying, I, I, the wheels of God grind slow and they grind fine, a guy told me once. He grinds out all of this stuff to purify for himself a people. Let's recognize God's visitation. Visit us. Free us from our guilt. Free us from those things. Help us repent for our children's sake. I didn't want this to be a negative message. Let me tell you this. If God says he visits us, he's more than happy to oblige us to visit us. But are we ready? Do we want to be like the generation that Jesus said, you fail to recognize your day of visitation. 
I want us to recognize God's visitation. You know what? I believe a visitation of God is the next thing in order. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus coming back. He'll come back when he's pleased. But I feel like he wants to come and do things in our lives and in the lives of people, in the city, in the state, in the country, in the world. I believe God wants to visit this place. I believe he wants to change things. I believe he wants to set things that are twisted. He wants to, he wants to remake them and straighten them. And I believe he wants to start in us. He wants to do something in us. So I'm saying today, you know, let's seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's call upon him while he's near. Let's invite him to come to our lives. Let him come to our, our generation. Let's not stand there and think, oh, we've got it all together. You know, there could be things God's wanting to winnow out in our lives for the glory of his name. Can we bow for prayer? Father, thank you that you're faithful. Faithful enough to chase us down and to give revelation to us about things that messed up our lives and kept us in some type of bondage even though we've been set free where, where some of us are standing behind jail cells that are unlocked. All we have to do is push the door open and go free, but some of us don't understand that. Some of us don't realize the peace that you've spoken over us, the provision you've given us for peace. Lord, help us. We need your visitation. We need it for our children's sake, for the sake of our homes, for the sake of their homes, for the sake of their families. Help us, God, today. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, as we take these elements today, may the